Welcome to the Wish Well Podcast, a women's integrative summit on health and wellness. A podcast hosted by Dr. Michelle Dang, a board-certified anesthesiologist and pain management physician with additional fellowship training in integrative medicine. This podcast will feature weekly episodes with women from all walks of life discussing their health and wellness journeys. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode number 52, Constantly Evolving with Kim Tai. Kim Tai is a writer, Emmy award-winning producer, and the founder of Ganesh Space, a community organization dedicated to pursuing equity through mindfulness. I had a really great time recording with Kim a while ago, and I'm super excited to share this episode with you all. I know that this is a little bit longer episode than I normally publish, but I just had so much fun talking to her and I wanted to give her the space to talk about all of the incredible things that she is doing. So I hope that if you aren't able to finish this whole episode in one sitting, you at least save it and finish the whole episode because she is so much fun and so much that you can learn from in terms of all that she is doing. And I want to share, and I did talk in the episode as well, that I've known Kim for a number of years, probably about a decade or maybe even more. I'm good friends with her cousin, Linda, and we do talk a little bit about she and Linda and their journey with silent meditation. So super fun. And I also want to share that Kim did write an article that was published on Newsweek on being Asian American during Trump's China virus. And that was really how I found her. I saw her post on her Facebook feed and read the entire article, remembered all the things that she and Linda did together and remembered that she created Ganesh Space. And so I really wanted to bring her on so she can talk about all of those things, which each of those things can probably be in its own episode or own podcast. So try to talk a little bit about everything. So I know it's a lot, but if you do get a chance, I definitely would encourage you to go to my show notes and read her article, which I will post the link there. And also go to GaneshSpace.com. And you can check out Ganesh Space on Instagram and as well as check out Kim at her Instagram as well, ktai6, and her website, thekimtai.com. So all of those links will be in the show notes as well as the blog. So don't want to talk any more than I need to. So please do enjoy this episode and I will be back next week to chat with you a little bit more. Take care. Hi, everyone. It's Dr. Michelle Dang with the Wishwell Podcast. I'm here today with my friend, Kim Tai. Kim and I actually, we've known each other for a long time, I think maybe over a decade. (laughs) Um, I'm really good friends with her cousin, Linda. So hopefully Linda will take a listen to this episode. And we were in Linda's wedding together. And that was, I think, almost 10 years ago. I think it will be 10 years next year. And so I'm super happy to have Kim on this podcast. I know that she has been doing a lot of great things in in wellness, but also in other areas. And I'm super happy to have her here. So welcome, Kim. How are you? Hi, Michelle. I can't believe it's been 10 years. That's nuts. 
Yeah. And I think I've known you for longer than that too. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We planned some activities before then. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. And I remember for Linda's wedding, this totally an aside, um, we were, we just had so much fun dancing together. I just remember like going crazy on the dance floors. <laughs> you got to dance at a wedding, you know, like, you of gotta- course. <laughs> Um, so as you're aware, this podcast is a women's health and wellness podcast. And so I thought of Kim because I don't know when it was that you and Linda did that silent meditation retreat, but, um, but Linda did this retreat with, that was five years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Linda, Linda and Kim did this retreat. And then I, was it before that or after that, that, that you decided to get your yoga teacher training? It was after that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to give you the space to share your story and your journey through your own health and wellness and why you decided to do that silent meditation or silent retreat, and then how you decided to become a yoga teacher. So start wherever you want to start and I'll jump in and, and ask you questions, but definitely want you to share your story. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, anyone who is, you know, familiar with any sort of mindfulness practice knows that it's a pretty personal practice, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I, we, we, we use these um, tools and techniques to, to help us get through challenges. And at the time, um, I was, you know, candidly going through a divorce and it kind of turned my whole life upside down. And, um, you know, I was really trying to find different ways to help me cope and to just kind of really better understand myself and so you know uh, I was suggested meditation and so I tried it and I grew up loosely Buddhist being Vietnamese and um, you know so some of that was familiar to me and it felt comforting and familiar Um, Mm -hmm. also there was like a really awesome meditation studio like literally five minutes away from my office so it was just really easy for me to kind of swing by in the morning and then go to work and it really helped me develop a daily practice before I even really knew what a daily practice was right like and and sadhana Mm -hmm. and then and then I just really started to nerd out um and became fascinated and really wanted to understand um Buddhism a lot more wanted to understand um, just uh, every single possible way of mindfulness and so um, I tend to have a, a, a pattern of like going really hardcore with things once I'm yes like, don't we all <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> once I get excited and so um, I found this group that I, I'm based in New York and I found this group um, out in um the Rockaways, which is like a, a, a beach town here in New York, who did a literally a silent retreat like every single weekend, right? And so like, or some sort of like very deep um, Theravada sort of practice. And so I was just there all the time. And then um, Linda came up and uh, she was like, what should we do? And I was like, what? This is what I do for fun now. <laughs> do you want to come with me? <laughs> right? Like, you know, you become that person when like, that's, that's what you suggest for social mm-hmm. activities. And um, we actually wound up going with um, 
a group that um, is here in Uptown in my neighborhood. I live in Washington Heights and um, well, we've actually become a nonprofit since Linda and I went on that retreat and I'm the assistant director for them. And um, uh, we went upstate, uh, we played in the snow, we were silent for like a good day. We meditated the whole time, did various and gentle yoga. And it was just really beautiful. Um, I still recommend silent meditation to anyone who hasn't tried it. It's it's very different um, of an experience. But the long and short of it is that, you know, I kind of came to a, a little bit of a crossroads and, you know, wanted to, to be a little bit more in my body and not just have, um, you know, a cerebral or intellectual sort of engagement with the practice through meditation. And so... I started practicing yoga and really, really was so grateful for the practice because it really helped me have a new relationship with my body in a way that I had never had before. I think, you know, I'm not alone in saying that as a woman, you can definitely question, you know, uh, the size of your body, you know, um, go through some very harsh sort of narratives about the way you look and, and yoga really helped me kind of get rid of all that crap. Um, and so um, I wanted to learn more. And uh, I remember going, this is one of my favorite stories. I went to sort of the informative 200 hour training and the woman who was uh, the teacher who was running it at the time had us all go around in the circle, like saying why you're interested in doing this training. And everybody there was like some sort of like fitness guru. <laughs> I don't know why, like the information, like the info session I was in, like everyone was like super ripped and was like, yeah, this is like my eighth certificate. And um, I was the only one who was like, I just want to learn more, right? I just want to deepen my studies and deepen my practice. And she like totally like turned towards me. It was very dramatic and like was like, oh, those are the people whose lives completely change. Mm -hmm. and it was and she was right right so I did 200 out my 200 hour yoga teacher training and it was right around the time where um my life in corporate America was also being thrown upside down and I was finding myself not very aligned between my day job and <laughs> my weekend trainings in my mm -hmm. class and um so I decided, you know, after training was done to leave corporate America and to do some soul searching and really figure out what was my next step professionally. Um, and I went to India to, to do some more training over there. Um, I had no idea you went to India. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is so so I, cool. Yeah, so I went over to Rishikesh and specifically studied um, bhakti practices and learned the harmonium and learned mantra practice and you know uh, we were just like really really observing a lot of beautiful devotional practices while we were there in this ashram that we were staying at mm -hmm. um and then afterwards i left my training group and then i went to bhutan and just like totally like fed my Buddhist side of me. Um, it's, it's the only sort of Buddhist governed country in the world. And then I came back and I was like, you know, I kind of want to, I want to try to, to start my own community. Right. And it was really born out of this idea that 
in New York, um, at least, and I'm sure in other places, but, you know, it was often, um, if I wanted to have a community uh, where I was a person of color or a queer person, it was only kind of dedicated to one night a month. <laughs> I was like, cool, like what about all the other crap for the 29 days that I need to work through? Mm-hmm. And so um, I felt really motivated to just try to have, um, I joked at the beginning that I was kind of doing the anti-goop, but to, to have a community that was really serving um, marginalized communities and issues that particularly come up when um, it has to do with our worthiness because of identity labels. So um, that started a year and a half ago, last June. That's a year and a half ago, right? Um, and yeah, and and it's been a really interesting and cool journey. And we've, you know, slowly like it was. It's been a slow and steady process. And I'm really happy to say that we're like global now we have a teacher in Germany we have teachers on the west coast like it's just it's been really beautiful to to see and I think there's been a real need to kind of talk about these issues of internalized racism internalized fat phobia things that we don't necessarily always address um in a regular like sun salutation class you know so yes and that community that you're talking about is Ganesh space right Mm-hmm. Okay. Definitely want to have you share more about Ganesh space, but I kind of want to go back. I know um, your journey has been, um, you know, very, very interesting journey over the last couple of years. And it's, um, you mentioned that the silent meditation was just about five years ago, right? Five or six years five ago. Five or six years ago. Yeah. So, so yeah. And it's just a short period of time. You've made so many changes in your personal <laughs> life, your professional life. So sure. kind of want to go back through some of that, just so that um, some of our listeners can, um, can hear a little bit more about your story. And I know many, many of my listeners can definitely relate. I can definitely relate as well. So you talked about starting your mindfulness practice. You're going through a divorce. Um, I've been there myself, so I, can, I definitely can empathize with um, trying to find different different ways to help you cope with you know those challenges. Kind of walk us through how you felt during that time. Um, how did you? So you mentioned that you know you had the Buddhist upbringing, so you were familiar with meditation. But I know I can speak for myself. I kind of knew what meditation was, but I really didn't. <laughs> You know, so, so talk us through, you know, I know being in New York, you have probably have access to so many studios, so many different Mm -hmm. places. Um, But if, you know, how did you feel or how, how was Kim like during that time versus, you know, um, going through all that? Like, was it a slow process? Were you, what were some challenges during that time? Mm. Kim was a hot mess, Michelle. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's what Kim was. No. Oh, I was too. I was too. Trust me. (laughs) I say that with with love, right? But it, mm-hmm. it is true. I mean, I think, <clears throat> I think you know, I was, I, 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 you know, I had just started therapy probably like a year or two before then, and but it was still, it was still new for me, right? And I mm-hmm. fully recognized during this time, you know, um, for anyone who's been through a divorce, it, it really, it, it, yeah, the, I think the the journey and the questioning starts with why did I leave this person? Why did I, why did this not work out? But I think what happens a lot is that I always say it broke open my heart, right? And, um, 
it really challenged me to ask a lot of questions, right? And be really incredibly reflective. And, and, and I was with, I was with my ex for, you know, 12 years. So it was a lot of time to reflect yes. <laughs> on like all the what ifs and all the things, right? And, and so, how you even got to that point, right? Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And, and, I, and, I, and I think too, um, so much of your 20s is like rushing and running towards what you think your life is supposed to be, right? Or at mm-hmm. least I can speak to, to my own personal experience. And, and, um, and then like, you kind of like go through that, like Saturn return, right? Just holler mm-hmm. at my astrology fans of like really <laughs> recognizing like, oh, this is, this is actually who I am and this is who I want to be. And so, um, for me, I needed some more, I needed some sort of tool or some sort of practice that, um, not only just like quite literally helped me breathe through it because I was like spontaneously crying. And like, like I kept on joking that the one train like conductor, like knew me as the girl who would just randomly cry in the mornings (laughs) because I was that bitch. But like, um, But, you know, I also needed something that was really helping me parse through all of those stories and parse through all the things that kind of happened, right? Mm -hmm. And it was so helpful to me. Like, I really, you know, engrossed myself in as much reading as I possibly could, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I tend to take a really sort of academic first approach to things whenever I I get um, into um, a hobby or or something that I'm interested in. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I was suddenly reading like every single book by Pema Trojan, every single book by Sharon Salzberg, right? Like Mm -hmm. there, like Lojarinzo wrote a book on like, you know, um, everything love related and working through heartbreak through mindfulness. And I was like, yup, that's (laughs) need to read that. And And it was and it was helpful because the studio that I had mentioned, which really was a pivotal part in kind of launching my meditation practice, um, you know, they had access to all these teachers, right? Mm-hmm. And um, Lodro Rinzo, who I mentioned, he was the he was the founder of the studio, and so his books were always there. They had guest teachers coming in, and so I really became. Um, a part of that community, right? Mm-hmm. And I made quite a few friends there too, actually, one of which um, is, is, is a dear friend of mine now. And so it was kind of the repetitive nature of showing up every day. And, you know, it first started with me just literally showing up, right? Like I didn't really think through if this was a Tibetan style of Buddhism, if this was like more like, you know, meta meditation, I was just like, I just need a place where it's okay for me to process my feelings for half an hour, right? Um, Because I needed that support. And so, um, and then once I started becoming um, more on sort of level ground, right? Emotionally for myself, I, really started kind of diving deeper into all the different lineages and all the different traditions and got really interested in that. Awesome. So tell, tell us a little bit about your experience with the silent meditation. I had another guest that was on 
earlier on in, in the season, uh, mm-hmm. my friend Tyler, and she, she also spoke about silent retreats and what an, an amazing experience that was, but also how jarring it was to come out of something like that. So can you tell us a little bit about your personal experience? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think, so the first time I ever actually, that's not true. It wasn't the first time, but the most intense one was when I went to this Rockaways retreat, which was the one I didn't do this with Linda. It was, uh, it was a whole weekend and it was just by myself. And this, it was this, um, beach house where um this uh Theravada monk was running the retreat and he was like very hardcore (laughs) and very strict right like because I've been on other retreats where they're like oh it's like three hours don't talk or like if people are kind of like pretending to talk to each other we're like giggling or whatever this guy was like no (laughs) we are here to be quiet so you can listen to your thoughts and see what comes up Uh and um and we um were silent for five hour blocks at a time Mm -hmm. um so we were either meditating in sitting meditation for five hours or you could be in walking silent meditation um which is insane (laughs) I just want to say that to anyone because it's, I think it's one thing to not be talking and like to be doing activities, but to like literally just be in meditation for five hours straight um, is so incredibly challenging. And you, two, two, two women who were on that weekend, they left halfway through. Oh, wow. we, they were like deuces I did this is too hard for me and so they left and I was like okay um and you know I think anytime things get silent you're really really forced to listen to what your brain does right mm-hmm. um and I think anyone who's familiar or has a regular meditation practice, I think so much of it is just kind of coming back to the present, coming back to the present. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's one thing if it's, you know, five minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, it's another thing when you're five hours and you're like, oh my God, it's like you get really fatigued, right? Mm-hmm. And eventually you have to kind of figure out this dance with your thoughts, mm-hmm. you know, and um and even though it's completely quiet um it sometimes feels like you know you're screaming inside your head right because that's all that's left with it and and we even and like that was the sitting meditation the whole entire weekend was silent right so we didn't even have like a little break to like talk or anything and did you ever like go into the bathroom and just talk to your talk out loud to yourself because I feel like I would have to do that (laughs) (laughs) no I didn't I didn't I you know the thing is is like some when I go into my practice though sometimes I get super antisocial. so like the first like day I was like this is perfect I don't want to talk to anybody yeah like you know but then like came nighttime I was like oh (laughs) this is so hard yeah um and then we even did the Q&A 
silent. He made us. How write does that? Down, he, he wrote. He made us write down the questions and put them in a bowl. <laughs> And then he answered it. He was the only one who spoke the whole weekend. And even that, it was probably like less than an hour of dialogue accumulatively for the whole weekend, which was crazy. Um, and I will, I will never forget like that Q&A, there was one person who wrote like a really, really long like thing and um, was like how and like ended with the question of like how do I end my suffering you know and I'm telling you this guy was so hardcore this month and he just like and he'd been reading this like eight paragraph long question right Mm -hmm. and then he just looked over at the guy and he was like you're suffering because you choose your suffering stop choosing it and then moved on to the next (laughs) question and I was like oh my god did anyone else see that happen and like you can't react or talk to each other about it so yeah it was super interesting I would totally do it again um because it's such a learning experience you know it's such a growth experience Mm and um we're laughing about it but I mean it is it is what he said is very true though because all of we we are the only ones in control of our thoughts and feelings and um you know i i get this from my parents as well like you know you, my choices make them sad and i tell them they're sad because that's their choice you know yeah. my choices don't have anything to do with them that's how they're feeling and so what what that monk said is true and and we're laughing just because I, i'm envisioning that visualizing that experience and it's almost like you kind of have to kind of laugh about it when you describe it like that you, you know <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. No, but you're, I mean, there's obviously so much truth in what he has to say. And, and I think so succinctly too, you know, mm-hmm. um, and if, and, and I think it really resonated with the weekend as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there were definitely, it got to the point <clears throat> where I could only really do walking meditation because I was, you know, really kind of cramping too much when I, because I, we were sitting for five hours at a time, right? And so, <clears throat> And it was really that choice of me being like, I can keep on trying to sit in the seated posture and, and, and put myself in pain, trying to prove something to whom I'm not sure, right? Or I can just kind of get up and do my walking meditation and, and let it be that. So um, even showing up in that small little way, right, is, 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 such, a, is such a learning, so. I, I mean, I have to speak to walking meditations. I am pretty introverted, believe it or not. I really, I, not that I would ever do like a silent meditation. I don't know. That may be something that I might consider in the future, but, um, but I think I would almost enjoy that just being in my thoughts. And I kind of joke with my husband, we have two dogs and, and at nighttime, I'm the one responsible for walking the dogs and walk them like a half mile loop. But to me, I tell him that's my me time. Um, you know, sometimes I'll have my son come with me, but at the same time, I enjoy just strolling, being with my thoughts and to me that's that's meditation you know yeah absolutely absolutely so um tell me a little bit about so you mentioned the yoga teacher training which is so funny because I did yoga teacher training back in 2014. We sat around, it was about 45, 50 of us. We sat around in a circle and a lot of people were fit like you mentioned, but it was almost like a group therapy session. I don't know if that was what it was like for you, but I mean we talked more about 
our feelings and our thoughts and, and uh, our experiences than the actual practice of yoga, which I think is pretty interesting. I don't know what the rest of your yoga teacher training experience was like. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think one of the, I think one of the, at least for me, but I think often a common misconception of yoga is just the asana in in physical practice, right? right? And there's, there's so much more to it than that. And, you know, and I think with my teacher training, and that was just the, that was just the info session. I don't think, I don't even know if there was anyone from that info session who ended up being in my teacher training, but um, my group was amazing. Like Mm -hmm. I, we still, we, we had a Facebook group like message right uh, a messenger group going while the the training was happening and um ours was a three-month program and to this day right it's been you know th- almost three years now but like um we still have our messenger group and we always say happy birthday and like we're we're very close-knit and i just think you know um I, I made lifelong connections in, in, mm-hmm. in those and relationships in those groups. And, and there were a lot of moments, you know, where you're, you're doing it so intensely. I'm not sure how your teacher trainer training was, was structured, Michelle. I'm curious, but like we, we did it every single weekend, right. From mm-hmm. like Friday night, Saturday, like morning into evening, Sunday morning into evening. And then in addition to that, we had, a buddy program where we had to meet a but like someone you were paired with once right to mm-hmm. to and meet with them once a week you had to also take classes i believe three times a week um and then you had to meet with your mentor and your in like this smaller group right so like there's literally no time for anything else in your life right yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's it's like your whole life is yoga teacher training and um and you know you and and you're you're getting asked so many of these like sort of self-inquiry questions Mm -hmm. right and um stuff comes up and being able to be held in a space that feels very safe Mm -hmm. right um is life-changing and for me i think i think having that experience really showed me what community was and um and I'm grateful for everyone there. They all know who they are, but, uh, but, but yeah, they're, we're not getting rid of each other anytime soon. So. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I definitely agree with, uh, just yoga being more of a community. That was what I miss the most. I, I, unfortunately my yoga studio closed, but that was definitely something that I took away from that experience was having that community of people of it being your safe space. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about your decision to leave corporate America, because if I recall, and you can, you can correct me if I'm wrong, you used to work for MTV at one point, which sounds so cool. <laughs> and I know you've had various other positions. So yeah. tell us a little bit about um, your decision to leave corporate America. Yeah, absolutely. So like for me, uh, up until this point now, um, I've been in media in some capacity for almost 13 years, right? And so, um, and I've been really blessed with a lot of different opportunities. You know, I've worked at a lot of major brands, including MTV and Viacom, and um, had a pretty, a pretty expansive role there. And then went on to, to go work at Discovery Communications. <clears throat> and you know, I think, for me. Um, 
I'm a storyteller at heart, right? And that's always been um, my bread and not necessarily even bread and butter, but just like the thing that makes me like excited the most, right? Is to create and to be able to tell other people's stories. And so- um, Definitely tell, by the way, you live in New York. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, But, you know, I think- I think for me, it was less, this is what it's like by living in New York. Yeah, yeah. that's what uh, I was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not Houston. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're, we're a couple blocks down from the hospital. So it goes the sirens a lot, but, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, I think for me, it was more about finding at the root, what made me really happy and what made me really excited. Mm-hmm. Right. And often I found myself um, telling a lot of stories that I wasn't really excited about, whether it was through an advertising lens or a marketing lens, which is like all important and great work. And I totally get why that exists. And I, and I'm, I'm happy to have had that experience, but it really started becoming apparent to me that the, that the projects I was really the most excited about was when I was telling people stories who weren't traditionally told or people's stories where they had um, such a big journey to tell, right? Mm-hmm. And um, like human, really, really human stories. And so I didn't find myself having those opportunities and being able um, to really take a step back and be like, well, where can I tell those stories? How can that, how can I, um, bring that out in people the most right and so you know that's when I decided let me leave corporate America Um, and so I have been consulting now and really consult for mission-based organizations and that are heart-driven and heart-focused and Mm -hmm. you know so I'm um, and then that's really honestly the 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 very like first seed of an idea of what Ganesh Space was, was that I wanted to have, I wanted it to be a a magazine, a digital magazine where we could tell everyone's journeys, right? Similar to how you and I are are having a conversation now. Mm -hmm. And it kind of evolved into this bigger community and space. But um, yeah, that's, I, I just couldn't, do it anymore <laughs> where I was looking at spreadsheets and and budgets and things and having to constantly prove myself you know mm-hmm. um, I think corporate America makes you do that a lot regardless of what company it is and I think that the value of who we are should not be um, measured in that way and I wanted to 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 re uh, rethink my work so that mm-hmm. way I wouldn't have to have that conversation with myself every single day Well, I think it took all the experiences that you've had in the last couple of years for you to discover your passion and discover your purpose. And I think, I think all of, all of the things, all of the things that you've experienced, your, your mindfulness practice, meditation, your yoga training, all that has helped to get you to where you are now creating this community. Um, tell me a little bit about your experience in India. So you decided, was it, you decided to quit corporate America and then you went on this journey to India? Yeah, so I actually, so um, it was an advanced training program from my 200 hour 
Mm -hmm. right and so it was like literally my last month there and um I was like I'm gonna do it right um and so I decided to go to India at the time um I was like basically kind of like uh, sunsetting out of this job and then really asking myself, you know, if I wanted to go to another corporate job. And so um, I was like, I'll make the decision when I come back from India. And so mm-hmm. it was it was more of a, a very impulsive decision in terms of I really want to deepen my studies and I also want the opportunity to like go to India because I mm-hmm. never have before. And so I went and um, I was there for almost two weeks between training and travel and uh, yeah, it was it was a life it was a life changing experience. Like and it was and it was already like I'm sure you remember how you felt after your 200 hour right. Like I was already so like open right and then to go from there to India it was like like. <laughs> like exponential like opening that was happening so that is so incredible what are some of the things that you've taken away from your trip to India I've never been but that's on my list as well oh man so many things I think um India is not for the faint of heart right Mm -hmm. like I I I think um when you go to India you have to really um look at how um impoverished the country is Mm -hmm. right and um there were and like you know i was so um struck by sort of the duality that was constantly happening in india right like you had literally this beautiful ritual and prayer happening at the ganges river right and it was so sacred and so wonderful um, and then like a cow is like totally shitting right next to them, right? <laughs> and and it's interesting because through this lens of Hinduism and in, 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 in India, they find everything to be sacred, even even what we as Westerners or typically in Christian lens is good or bad, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, it's really eye-opening in that way to stop thinking about things in such a a binary way of like this is uncomfortable or not uncomfortable this is good this is bad this is like you know um you know and and it was just it was just a really um interesting way and a different way to look at the world to be like oh what if we kind of looked at everything to be sacred what if we did look at everything to have purpose and Mm -hmm. to have um challenges and opportunities right um and I know for me that was a new way of thinking you know Mm -hmm. um and I also think too as a practitioner and and as a teacher now you know like one of the things that really is um I find to be so admirable when you go to India is people's discipline to their faith and their spiritual practice right Mm -hmm. um like you have women waking up at five in the morning every single day coming to the river to meditate, right? And like, so like, you know, I feel, <laughs> I feel like people complain about sitting for five minutes here, right? So mm-hmm. like, um, 
I found that to be really inspiring. And, and often when I'm like feeling a little lax in my practice, I try to continue think back to like, oh, well, can I channel a little bit of that energy? Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, 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 and try to keep on showing up because these tools have helped me so much, you know, and they continue yeah. to. It's amazing. I absolutely love your journey. And now I want to kind of shift gears and really give you the space to talk about Ganesh space. Um, So you mentioned that you created this back in June of 2019. So about a year and a half ago, Mm -hmm. tell me how you said that you, you wanted to start your own community um, serving those who may be marginalized. So how did you come up with this idea and, you know, in the midst of you leaving corporate, America and shifted gears completely. So tell us how you came up with this idea and what the space is for and, and what, what women out there who may be feeling a little bit lost or need to find a space, what they can, how they can use Ganesh space. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I came up with the idea mainly because I, I needed it myself selfishly, right? Like, I think that I was working through really specific issues in terms of being marginalized and um, which is complicated (laughs) and Mm -hmm. very, very um, deep work, right? And I, and, and there are um, a lot of, you know, there are a lot of great teachers um, in the world who, who do this kind of work and, and really work through, um, anti-racism, anti-fatphobia, anti-homophobia, anti-whatever you, you want to say it, right? And, um, and uh, but there weren't a ton in New York, honestly. It's one of the great things about the pandemic is like we can take everyone's classes now on Zoom, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, you know, what if we just like, what if I just tried this, right? Like, what if I just started having like events, um, that really explored like a really big, deep issue, right? Like, so one of which was talking through how do we develop a kinder narrative with our body, right? So we really <clears throat> invited these speakers to come in who were um, body positive movement, right? And really talk through, you know, how deeply ingrained these narratives are and how deeply, um, self like wounding and afflicting they are and we do have the power and capability to rewire our brains so that way we can stop looking in the mirror every five minutes and find something not perfect about it right Mm -hmm. and um and so you know um we started having these gatherings and uh it was really, you know, when we really do it by the four principles of exploring race, gender, sexuality, um, and our bodies, right? Which um, was really important to me that even though these are obviously mostly primarily uh, issues and challenges that marginalized communities face, but it's really every human faces, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, like I would say that. Uh, many of the people who showed up to do the uh, anti-racist work through Ganesh space have been white people, right? So, um, which I really appreciate. And, um, 
so I think it's really just looking, you know, for us looking through our, our life and our practice through these four different types of uh, perceptions of ourselves mm -hmm. and recognizing it isn't uh, equate to our worthiness. It doesn't equate to our value, right? And how can we really use mindfulness as a way to be like, whoa, I'm going to stop that Mm -hmm. that dialogue right with myself and, and and hopefully transform it into a place that's really about self-compassion and self-love right and mm -hmm. um that's much of the work that I've done and so um I always say like yeah we 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 have like you know we offer yoga we offer meditation but if you want to go deep like we're the place to go to come do it and we and you know, I always advocate for a brave space because it's hard to show up and do this work, right? And I fully acknowledge that. Um, but I, I feel very privileged and honored to have witnessed a lot of people continue to show up and their lives change. And, um, you know, I'll never forget the very first event that we had, this um, woman came up to me in tears and she was crying and I was like, is everything okay? And, and she was like, this is the first time I've ever felt safe to be myself. And that's wonderful. Um, and, you know, I, and, and like, as a, as a founder, and as someone who, you know, is trying to build something, you have really bad days, <laughs> sometimes, right, mm -hmm. you get into your head. And, and I often go back to that woman who shared that, right, because that's what, that's what we're trying to do, um, is, is to, make people feel safe in their bodies make people feel safe in the world even if the world doesn't always create safety for them you know yeah well I think it's it's great all the things that you are offering and is this uh, even before the pandemic was this all um, available just online or were you doing actual live groups and, and classes in, in New York yeah we were doing in person actually mm -hmm. all um, before the pandemic um, and then shifted online as everybody has. So, you know, if people go to GaneshSpace.com, um, uh, we offer many things, including a monthly book club. You know, we have workshops. Um, we have time every single week to kind of dive into to this deeper stuff. So, and actually, our I'm I'm in very beginning stages, but working to to start. Um, an Asian American um, and specifically Asian women's group. So um, that's awesome. That info, Michelle, <laughs> we do that if you want to join. So. Well, that, I mean, I definitely, so I'm on the website right now and I'm kind of scrolling through and I think it's really awesome because there's definitely quite a bit of yoga practice or yoga classes that you can take, but there's also these great little study groups that you're doing. And the one, the first one that pops up and I probably won't be able to release this podcast until early in the year, but um, this one coming up is um, on anti-racism, which I think is really important. And I kind of want to use that as a segue to talk about your Newsweek article that was posted recently. Yeah. So um, can you tell us just a little bit about that and what, what made you write about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, you know, uh, I, I've, I've always been writing since I was a kid, right? And depending on the day, I'll tell you if I'm a good writer or not. <laughs> but um, 
you know, during the pandemic, um, like a lot of people, I like tried to uh, almost reprioritize what was important for me in my life. The quarantine kind of uh, forces you to do that. And one of the things that I had really dropped off was my writing. Um, and so I joined this community that I will shamelessly plug because I think they do incredible work. Um, it's Lisa Weinert. She does um, a, has a community called Narrative Healing, who you should totally interview for this podcast. Um, yes. But um, Lisa is all about using um, writing and mindfulness as a way to for, for healing, right? And using it as a healing modality, <clears throat> which I think is really beautiful. And so, you know, I started attending um, her classes and her workshops and really working on my book, which is um, a, a part memoir of my my life and also family memoir and really started exploring these different topics and you know one of the things that just kept on coming up um during the pandemic was that I was getting so incredibly angry at Trump as I'm sure a lot of people have but more specifically around um his use of calling coronavirus China virus, him and, and, and many of the Republican leaders in Congress calling it Kung flu, um, first as a joke and then secondarily as just a way to, to really be brazen and to, to blame, you know, this, this blame the country and this group of people to, to their mishandling of the pandemic and so um and I was watching and it was a really specific moment I remember uh uh he was talking to the CBS uh reporter and who's Asian American and you know he was like why don't you go ask China like when she asked him a question about the pandemic and I was like are you kidding me right and like I was like this was like live television right and it's like like basically one step away from overt racism it's very clearly racism right but like and I you know and I called up my mom who's Vietnamese and I really appreciate how woke she is and <laughs> she is she's like always sending me articles and stuff and like and um and she was like, I know, and you know, we, you know, and the thing I started noticing because of her actually is that she started sending me all these articles of hate crimes coming up, um, not to just Chinese Americans, but to Asian Americans, period, mm -hmm. right? Um, including one of which was the, our, the famous Perry by Night host. Did you know about this, Michelle? No, I did not. Yeah, so like so the woman who, who hosts Perry by Night um, I don't recall her name right now, but her and her friends were heckled um, on her front yard um, and saying, go, go back to your country. You know, you brought this, you brought this like disease to us, you know, um, and she wound up posting a video that went viral within the sort of Vietnamese community. Um, and so, you know, I think for me, um, so much of the work I, I've been doing through my mindfulness work and through, and through identifying um, internalized racism within myself has been, I tend to go really silent, right? Um, whenever issues of 
grace come up um, or I have in the past. And so one of the ways that I felt very empowered to really speak up was through my writing. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I, and as we were getting closer and closer to the election, I was like, you know, I, I just really want to make sure that our voices are heard in this election cycle, right? And, um, and that people don't just shrug off um, <laughs> this blatant racism that's been happening from mm-hmm. our country's leadership and that it's not okay, you know? Um, just like there was a lot of other things that weren't okay. And so, you know, I, I wrote it with the help of Lisa and my community over at Narrative Healing and, um, and, you know, even then I was like, you know, a little shy and, 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 and had a lot of trepidation once I wrote the piece of whether I, it was worth, um, worth publishing and worth sharing, right? Which I think is important to note because even then there's a questioning of the value of the worth of our voice, right? And, I, and that's why I'm so grateful to, to Lisa and that she kept on being like, no, it's really great. <laughs> you have to put it out there. Um, and then, you know, I was lucky enough to get it placed in Newsweek. And so I think, um, thank you for reading it, Michelle. And I think, I think, you know, one of the things that has been so impactful for me is yes, the journey to get there, but more so um, I got a lot of messages from Asian American people who I didn't know, um, who had read the piece through friends or just like found it on Newsweek who said that, they had been feeling this sort of anger, right? Mm-hmm. And um, for months now and and appreciated it, it being um, out in the world. So in that way, I felt like I it, it, it served a good purpose and, and I'm happy for that. Well, I will definitely share the link to the article and I really enjoyed reading it. I'm very similar to you, like listening to your story. I can definitely relate on so many levels. I have been trying to write more. I love write, writing. When I was a kid, I would make up all these stories and and I just, writing was um, more of like a very cathartic for me. Um, so definitely um, totally relating to you. One of the, one of the things that I just want to point out in this article, which like I said, I will link is you say silence essentially became a tool for survival. And I think that's a common thread among many Asian Americans, but also among many women. And I think Mm -hmm. that women, you know, this is a a women's podcast. Women are used to just being silent, but we shouldn't be. I mean, we should feel, we need to feel empowered to speak up. And it may be by writing, it may be by many other ways that we can speak up. So I think that, you know, that's really important. And it kind of, that phrase or that sentence kind of brings me back or brings it everything back full circle to, you know, your very first silent meditation retreat, you know? (laughs) So silence in a way became empowering for you, which I think is lovely. Yeah, definitely. I think the thing that was so interesting for me in, in writing this piece was that seeing how much um silence can serve different purposes right Mm -hmm. like um and it's again it's how we um it's how we use it right and like it can either silence us and disempower us or it can empower us in a way to to really gain clarity and perspective to take action you know and um i hope that um 
as uh, women and Asian American women, we um, all flex that muscle to speak up um, more, right? And I think, I think that um, definitely as a woman, I have felt silenced and also um, silenced myself. So um, we got to do everything we can to make some noise. Absolutely. We got to wrap up here, but I, one last question that I do want to ask, well, too. the first one is for other women out there who may be listening, maybe struggling or feeling a little bit lost. Is there any advice that you can offer to them? Prioritize yourself. I say this to everyone. I think that, I think that, um, especially with women, especially with women, we prioritize so many people above ourselves, especially women who are mothers, who I know that um, that can seem counter um, intuitive. And I'm not a mom, but, but I know. You're a doggy um, mom. I'm a do- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actually two cats. Two cats. Oh, cats. I thought and, um, no, we have two okay. cats too. Um, they're crazy. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I think that was a good friend of mine, actually, the woman who, who runs the, the nonprofit in the neighborhood here with me, she, um, we went through our divorces together. And, and one of the things that she always said that she wished she had known um, when she, 20 years ago was that she, she wished she would have put herself first. And um, it would have and not only for herself, but for her kids and for a lot of other reasons. And I think mm-hmm. that's, um, that's always really stayed with me. And, and I think it's really sage advice to make sure that you can't really show up for other people if you don't, you, you don't show up for yourself first and make sure that your tank is, is, is full. For sure. And that is something that I'm, I'm working on as well. I'm, I'm doing this workbook called Mindful Self-Compassion. And it's all about that. And I think the hardest thing for women, for, for women in general, I think is that when we try to do things for ourselves, it feels wrong in some ways. Like it just feels like it's us being selfish, but as you said, it is about, um, you know, putting on the oxygen mask for yourself first. You can't Mm -hmm. take care of others unless you take care of yourself. And it's still, it's still challenging. I'm going to tell you it is, but it's something that you have to be, you have to really be mindful about, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I also think the thing that people don't talk about a lot is like, you know, it's, it's so much of it is inherited to and learned, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're not just undoing what we've learned. We're, we're undoing like seven generations of women before us, Mm -hmm. right? And seven generations of Asian women before us, right? And so um, I, I just think, you know, if it ever gets discouraging for people, right? Where they're like, oh, like I know I've had those moments where I'm like this again, why am I still (laughs) working on this, right? Like I always try to remind myself that, you know, it's a a chipping away of Mm -hmm. a real big stone, you know? And giving yourself grace that it's not, you know, a steep climb up. It may be ups and downs throughout the process, but it is trusting the process. A hundred percent. And to, yeah. to be gentle with yourself throughout the whole process. Yeah, absolutely. Well, last question is if people would like to connect with you and find out a little bit more about you and Ganesh space, how can they do so? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're on the gram. 
Um, so please follow, so please follow us at Ganesh Space. Um, that's G-A-N-E-S-H and then the word space. It's all one word. Um, or just go to GaneshSpace.com if that's easier and you'll see all our offerings there. Um, we're actually um, going through a, a, a sort of our next chapter and ramping up our community. So I hope when the podcast comes out, it, people go, will come through and, and check us out. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kim. It was so much fun chatting with you today. Yeah, for sure, Michelle. Thanks so much for reaching out and thank you for doing this and, and providing a platform for, for these type of stories and voices. It's so important and I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wish Well podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe and follow along every week for new episodes. You can find us on Instagram at wishwell.health and at our website, wishwell.health.blog. Until next time, I wish you health and I wish you wellness.